Welcome to the Now You Know Akron podcast, brought to you by the journalists of BeaconJournal.com. Each week, they will share their expertise on Akron and Summit County. Now, here's your host, Craig Webb. Thanks for joining us for the Now You Know Akron podcast. I'm your host, Craig Webb. Our spotlight topic today is Black-owned businesses. And more specifically, a series of articles that Beacon Journal has been doing with all of its reporters taking a look at Black-owned businesses in the Akron area. Today, we're going to talk with a young entrepreneur who is trying to open her own bakery, a permanent bakery, that is. She's already working farmer's markets and has plenty of orders, but she's looking to start a brick-and-mortar operation. We'll talk to her about her trials and tribulations as a young entrepreneur who's trying to make her start. But first, here's three things you should know from recent headlines from BeaconJournal.com. The pandemic continues to dominate headlines from vaccination mandates, the latest from the Cleveland Clinic, to the offering of shots for those children who were previously unable to get one of the vaccinations. We took a look at where you can find the the shots and also who's eligible and much more. The Akron Metro RTA avoided a strike at the last minute. The workers and the contract negotiators for The agency agreed to continue talks, averting a strike that would have shut down bus service in Summit County. We continue to follow that story as it develops. Winter is upon us as we've had one of our first snowfalls, and that also means ODOT is in need of snowplow operators. Our reporter Eric Morota took a look at the shortage of snowplow operators and who's going to keep our region's streets clear of snow once it starts falling in earnest. For more on these headlines and much, much more, you can check out our various apps and also BeaconJournal.com and also our print edition. And now for our spotlight story, we're joined by Savannah Griggs. Savannah and her baking business was featured in the Beacon Journal series about small black-owned businesses. It's been a few months since we checked in with her over the summer. Um, So welcome, Savannah. Thank you for having me. I guess for those who, I hopefully everyone read the article, right? All your friends and family did, I, I'm sure, online and, and in print in the Beacon Journal. Why don't we start at the beginning? I, I guess this, you are kind of a, a young entrepreneur, right? I mean, this is fairly fairly new to you, and, and this kind of started when you were at Copley High School, right? Right. Yep, so still kind of new, kind of getting my footing, just uh, learning more about business um the business world, not so much baking, still training and learning different things with that, but definitely learning a little bit more about the business world and things like that. So that's kind of where I'm at right now with the business. Um, But yes, I have been doing this since high school. Um, I graduated high school in 2015. So kind of been doing this since then, but I would say my big breakout here when I actually decided that this is what I this is what I wanted to do would have been 2016 or 2017. So going steady and keeping with it. And so this started with brownies. Yes. Yes. This started with brownies. So my sister, she actually makes brownies homemade and um, I was a cheerleader. So um, our players, we used to have to bring them treats every, uh, every game, which was I think three or four players every game. So every Friday, um, I lived close to a bakery, so I used to go there and buy stuff. And at the time, it wasn't, you know, coming out of my checking account. It was coming out of my mom. So my mom was like, maybe we should find something a little bit different. So my sister taught me how to make brownies. And 
from there, they were probably like my biggest hit and probably still are, in my opinion. So just keeping up with those. And uh, that's just where I started. And I keep them around. Let's start with the beginning. And, I, and first of all, I, I think that, that it's a little sexist that, that the cheerleaders brought things for a football player. Maybe the football players should have been, I don't know, making something for the cheerleaders. Right. I, but but maybe that's another topic for another podcast for, for <laughs> another day. So it so started making brownies, and then just people kept asking you to make things. You're kind of like, hmm. Yeah, so that's pretty much how it went, honestly. So um, I had a friend, and she would come over, and we would make cupcakes. And I remember one day we made cupcakes and forgot to put eggs in them, and they were still actually really good, so we were surprised. But um, after high school, um, we all kind of went our separate ways. But I did – I had people ask me if I could make them cupcakes, if I could make them brownies, little things like that. So it started as little things, and then it probably wasn't until maybe I think my – probably end of freshman year, sophomore year, college, somebody had actually asked me to make a cake, and that would have been the first time I had ever made a cake before. Now, you did try college, right? You you went uh, and decided that, that maybe this the baking business might have been more your passion. Yeah, so it kind of took me a while to kind of get here. Um, you know, going to college when you're not sure what you want to do, you kind of get into that mode of, like, I, I should do what my parents think are best for me. So I tried to bunch of different avenues. I did sports broadcasting. I really do love sports. So I did sports broadcasting and communications. I was actually on um, as a DJ at WZIP 88.1 for a while. And then um, I love working with kids. I've always been a babysitter. So I tried early childhood education. Um, But before that, I did, um, what was it? I think it was to be a doctor, that that one, that got shut down pretty quick after taking uh, some. The first biology class. Yeah, microbiology was <laughs> quite humbling. So I was like, well, maybe not. So tried a bunch of different avenues just to kind of get my foot in to see what I liked. I think I have more gen eds completed than the <laughs> average college student, but it's okay because it worked out. But, yeah, probably um, – Honestly, if I look at my uh, transcript, I probably only have a year and a half of college left, but it's right now in this moment, it's not really in me. I'm more focused on my business and what I'm passionate about at this point. So where are we at with the business? Do you, you work farmer's markets over, over the summer? You did some markets? So, yes, yeah, so I did a couple farmer's markets. Uh, most of my sales come from just online word of mouth from my social media. Um, we did have a location out in the city of Barberton, but things just did not work out with that landlord. So um, we signed that lease last September and we were expected to open this June. Um, obviously, things didn't work out, but we did just sign another lease. Um, in downtown Akron. So we're hoping to be open by the summer of 2022. My sister is getting married in May. So we're going to take a little break and then hopefully open um, early midsummer. So we didn't mention the name yet. The name of the business is? Uh, Sweet and Savvy Cake Shop. Okay. And where did you come up with the name? Um, so my name is Savannah, and everybody used to call me Sav or Savvy. And to be honest, it's probably one of my least favorite nicknames that I have. But it stuck, and um, I just really like the way it kind of flows together. So that's where I got the name from. And it was probably available, right? You, you yeah. <laughs> better for the state when you pick a name. That's kind of hard. I mean, it was interesting talking to some musicians about how hard it is to come up with a name for a song. That, yeah. Or a band name. That's why you have some crazy band names just because everything's been taken and you don't want to uh, 
you know, be like the Guardians. You have a baseball team and a uh, what is it, the uh, a, a uh, roller derby team with the same name. You know, you kind of have to find a unique name. Yeah. So, what's your real specialty? What what is the what? Are, I guess I'll ask first. What's everyone else's favorite thing you make? So I think everyone else's favorite thing that I make would probably be my banana pudding. That is like the hit of all hits. Um, banana pudding and peach cobbler, I would say. But pretty much the business is custom cakes and cupcakes. Um, obviously, once the store is open, we'll have a wide variety of different items that you can come in and get daily. But um, for the most part, while I'm still at home, I mostly do custom cakes, um, cupcake orders, and small treats. I try to stay away from small treats, but Definitely cakes and cupcakes are my big thing. And then during the holidays, I'll do um, pies and cobblers and more specialty items. Now, do you, you put the, and I, I'm probably say it wrong, the vanilla cookie? They're not cookies. They're like the wafers, right? Do you put the yeah. vanilla wafers in your? Uh... Yeah. I have to admit that, like, last my last birthday, that's what I, I didn't want a cake. I, I wanted um, banana pudding with uh-huh. the vanilla. So my wife had to, had to make it for me. So, so you were mentioned we before we uh, came out with the podcast, we were chatting a little bit. Um, we are around the holiday season that that Thanksgiving surprisingly more than Christmas is, is a busier time for your business. And, and and why is that? Um, that's a good question. Honestly, I have not. Well, you think Christmas everybody wants baked things, but yet maybe they're baking themselves at Christmas, but they're like and- at Thanksgiving. I got enough making the gravy. Yeah, right, and the stuffing. Yes, so that's kind of what I came down to. I think when it comes to, when I think of baking for myself, um, it is kind of like a family thing during Christmas time, especially if you have kids. You're making cookies together, chocolate chip cookies, sugar cookies for Santa, things like that. So you're not necessarily looking for baked goods, maybe something small for the dinner. But Thanksgiving, I think most people are like, I'm good with cooking. I don't want to have to worry about having to do a peach cobbler or a sweet potato pie. So kind of leave that in the hands of somebody else or me. So um, I think that's really what it comes down to. Thanksgiving is really hands-on, and then during Christmas, it's kind of like the baking is a little bit, you know, people lay off of it. So you are a young entrepreneur, and, and I'm kind of curious, was it hard to get a lease? I mean, did you find there were obstacles in your way that, that you felt were a little unfair or – was it challenging being young and a minority, trying to start a minority-owned business? Yeah, so um, it definitely was hard. Um, I would have my dad and different friends of mine call for different buildings that, um, you know, if I was running around, I would look at buildings. I would write down the location, the phone number. I would have my dad call. have my some of my guy friends would call, and then I would call, and they would get prices completely different than I would. So I definitely saw. So I'm um, assuming the prices were worse for you. <laughs> yeah. Way out of my price range. So, how does that make you feel when, when that when that would happen? Um, it's definitely one of those things. Like in the moment, it's really like this is annoying. Like, why? What you know? What's the difference if a woman is running a business versus if a man is running a business? You know, um, you know, if you have the capabilities of running the business and making the money, then it shouldn't matter what the lease rate is. I should, you know, be able to get the same lease that you give anybody else despite the fact of me being a minority, me being young or a woman, anything like that, that doesn't disqualify me for um, the abilities that I have to make a business work. So it's really frustrating, especially when um, the prior situation I had. So pretty much I had been at the first location that we had in Barberton. I had been paying rent and utilities from September to April. 
um, on top of having permits and um, demolition done and things like that. So you kind of look at it as like I've already lost so much money. So it kind of became like a a rat race to find a new location to start making the money that we lost um, back. So that was really frustrating. But at this point now, it just really you look back and you're like, OK, I'll just take it on the chin. This is just something I had to go through to get to where I'm at. And I'm grateful because the place in Barberton, it was nice, but it's not as nice as the place we have now. So just kind of stepping stones that you just have to step over and get through. Do you think, and we won't be specific about anything, but do you think these obstacles are because you're a woman and, and perhaps a minority? Um, I won't say because I'm a minority. Um, Honestly, one thing that I really appreciate about the city of Akron, they really do have a lot of programs that are, I mean, well, now I'll say they do have a lot of programs that really benefit women-owned businesses and minority-owned businesses. So I really lucked out in the time that I was looking for a location and looking to run a business. So right in this moment, I won't say that those were the cases. Maybe last year when I was looking probably were. But um, when I was looking in the city of Akron and just different brokers I was working with at the time, they that was not an obstacle for me at all. It was kind of more of like it was kind of like a plus for me at the time. Really, they were like, we really want to boost young entrepreneurs and um, women entrepreneurs. We just really want some more new young businesses to get up and running in the city of Akron just to liven up the city. I'm kind of curious how you found them. I mean, did they find you or did you find them? I mean, I guess. If what your advice would be to someone like you who who's kind of trying to start, you know, you haven't had a business before. I mean, you really have to find these programs. I mean, is it difficult to, you know, what, what what's your suggestions to, to someone else like you? Um. So as far as like the real estate agents that I found, really, that just came from driving around the city of Akron. So really, I my off days are on Wednesday. So Wednesday from about 8 a.m. to probably one or two o'clock in the afternoon, I would drive around the city of Akron. I would write down every location. I would write down the address, any information they had on the windows as far as a phone number or, you know, who the property manager was. And I was making calls all day. If I didn't hear a call back in a few days, I was following up. If I could find an email, I was checking online. So it, it comes down to it's a lot of research as far as finding a location, but as far as finding programs for like assistance and um, just help, you know, help in those cases, that was not hard at all. Um, the first place I looked was the Akron Urban League. They had a lot of help. Um, the Rubber City Match Program, um, that team, they were great. Balance Innovation Hub. So I think there are a lot of programs. If you search for one thing, you'll find probably like five or six more. So that really helped is just going through that list of programs and just seeing what works for me, what could help me out and going from there. And we should mention, and we don't want to mention any names, um, but, you know, you do have another job right right now. And so you're kind of balancing starting this business with a full-time job. I won't say what you do or where you work, but I but I will say you might be a friendly voice at a troubled time in your life if you run into something with your car. That's all I will say that, that you do. Uh, as you're but, I mean, it will be hard, like, leaving that safety net of a, of a full-time job to – just strike out on your own that really is it's kind of on your, you know, on you. You know, this is really a leap of faith. Um, it is a leap of faith. I'm I'm overly confident in myself that if I do take this leap, I won't have any I won't say I won't have any issues, but I am not expecting myself to fail in any manner. Um, just because 
when I think about it, at the end of the day, once I open up a business, it won't just be me counting on me. I'll have a team counting on me. And I think that's really what pushes me and drives me to want to do more, create more and really just, you know, be at the top of my game, not just for myself and what I want for myself, but really for my team and other you know, young entrepreneurs that look up to me and other young business owners that might possibly look up to me and just to, you know, to see somebody in the same city as you just to say, you know, if she did it, I can definitely do it. So what's your plan? Are you going to focus solely on the brick and mortar? Are you going to be out in the community still like, you know, doing farmers markets and markets and special events to try and, uh, I say word of mouth, but when you have a bakery, I get word of mouth is like taste, right? I mean, it's kind of, or, or are you going to strictly kind of stick close to the bakery or are you you're still going to try and do some of the other things? Yeah. So we'll still do um, farmers markets and pop-up shops as, you know, as long as they fit in with the schedule that we do have. Um, I think that's the best part about having a team or what I'm looking forward to as far as having a team is it's not just me. So right now farmers markets for me, it's almost like a whole week event. You know, I spend one day prepping, one day planning, one day grocery shopping, one day baking, decorating, and then I actually have to work the event. And then I'm worn out for probably like three or four days after. So I look forward to having a team where we can have events like that and go to and be present in community events just to kind of be active in the community um, and then also be able to still run the shop, um, you know, have somebody in the shop running it while we're out at events. I, I'm curious, you know, and, and we everyone talks about supply issues and prices in the grocery store. You you probably know better than anyone, right? I mean, what are you seeing uh, out there? And even for your own supplies for what you make, I mean, are costs really rising a lot? And even finding things. I mean, first, I'm curious about the cost. So, so what are you finding in, on your on your trips to make your stuff? So, as far as costs, one thing that I've recently noticed, and maybe because I wasn't paying attention any, uh, you know, before, but the vegetable oil that I buy, it's usually um, in the store is about $3. And I grocery shop at a lot of different places. I try to price match as best as I can. And the other day when I was in the grocery store, um, it was $7.28. And I was like, do I really need vegetable oil that bad right now? But so things so, like that. I mean, that's double. I mean, for you, like a small business woman, that's, that's huge. I mean, you know, you, you can't keep charging what you charge for a cupcake if that one material cost has doubled. Right. And it, and that's the thing. It's almost like all the products that you actually need to bake and actually have the items. Those are the costs that are going up. So one thing that I've noticed is the cost is going up. Some things, um, a little bit more than others. Sometimes I noticed it might just be like a change in a dollar or two. And other things I have noticed, like the vegetable oil, it is almost doubled in price. As far as getting supplies, that has probably been the hardest. Um, it was the hardest last year. It seems like it's getting a little bit better. Um, a lot of it has to do with um, not that many people going to work and the lack of workers that we have. So um, one brand of chocolate that I buy, um, when we got it, let me think. So I went into the store, I think it was probably May of last year, and they told us they would not have any pink colored chocolate until June. So then we went back into the store in June, and they told us they would not have pink chocolate until almost August, or, or no, I'm sorry, until October of this year. So when I went back to this, um, you know, the supplier that I go to, they finally had pink chocolate, but they told us that they had 100 little containers of the chocolate, not the normal size that you get. 
And then they said that they are discontinuing it because they don't have enough workers to make it. And that was one of the colors that was um, not as not bought as much. So they are now cutting back on what they decide to produce because they don't have as many workers and as much help to produce as much um, product as they usually do. Oh, so there's. So we can't be finding pink chocolate. Maybe you can make your own with color dye. I don't know. Yeah, so that is an option. You get white chocolate, um, color dye, and you can dye it. it. Chocolate is extremely temperamental, so it's the you're kind of losing out the in, the convenience of not having to go through dyeing chocolate. You can, you know, get it and you just melt it down and it works for you. But now you have to change the um, the colors that you use. You have to use an oil-based color, not a water-based color. Um, you have to get the right chocolate, and you have to make sure you're tempering your chocolate. So I know to some people it, it just seems fun and dandy, and it's just a hobby, but it, it really is a business, and it, it has as much struggles as the next hobby or the next business does. And it is a science. It is. That's, <laughs> that's what I like. Comes back to what your uh, high school science. teacher said. You need to pay attention to <laughs> science and math and everything. Oh, yeah. I hate it when they're right, right? Yeah, right. Darn so, it. So I, I kind of circling back to, to the holidays and Thanksgiving. So what is, um, what's the most popular Thanksgiving dessert? So for me and my customers, the most popular dessert that I have during the holidays would be a sweet potato pie cheesecake and a lemon pound cake. So during the holidays, I, I try to offer about five to six different options um, just because I don't like to wear myself out. I do like to enjoy the holidays with my family as well, but I definitely stick with the most popular options, and those two are always my best sellers for the past uh, three years. So which is the hardest to make? They're not hard to make. I would say probably it's not hard to make the sweet potato pie cheesecake. It's just making two things and then combining it into one. So that one is a little bit more time consuming, but they're not hard to make. And pound cakes take longer to bake. Um, So you either pick one where it's like you're doing two things for just one item or you're choosing the item that takes longer to bake. I'm a simple guy. I just make checks mix. That's, that's my only thing. I, I won't tell you my secret ingredient is garlic salt. Oh, crap. I let it slip out. But so, if folks want to find you, where do where do they before you open your brick and mortar shop? How how do people find you? Yeah, so the best place to find me would definitely be social media. I do have a website as well, so you can always look on the website. I keep it updated monthly with. Um, specials I'm having or if I have a signature item for the month or anything that's going on, I try to keep that on the website. So the Instagram name is Sweet and Savvy, and it's two Vs and two Ys. And then the website is www.sweetandsavvy, with one Y, dot shop. Very good. So I, I trust there will be no pumpkin pie you're not a pumpkin pie no, person? No, I am. I'm, okay, so here is my secret that a lot of people don't know. I do not like sweets. So I am not a sweet eater. I like brownies and Rice Krispie treats and cookies. So that is probably the extent of all the sweets that I eat. But, I'm, you know, you could ask my family every year for my birthday. I never asked for cake. I always wanted ice cream cake or brownies. So that is my secret. But, yes, so during Thanksgiving, I'll, I offer um, peach cobbler, pumpkin pie, a sweet potato pie, a sweet potato pie cheesecake, and I think I'm missing one thing. And then I also do, every month I do three signature cupcake flavors that just kind of fall in the holiday. So I, off, I also have those. 
don't don't be ashamed. I'm a salty snack guy, which may probably explains why I make Chex Mix and, uh, <laughs> right. and not the uh, ruin it with the Muddy Buddies or whatever they call those. And the uh, <laughs> I'm more of a fan of the salty. Well, Savannah, thank you so much for joining us, and, and good luck with your business venture. And maybe we'll we'll get back together and chat when you actually open up in Akron. Right. Yes, thank you so much. Thank you for having me. I really appreciate it. That's all we have today for the Now You Know Akron podcast. Be sure to join us again next week. Episodes are released every Wednesday or thereabouts, wherever you download your favorite podcast. They're also available at BeaconJournal.com and all of our various apps. Before we go, I have to thank our producer, B.J. Liska. Without him, this would not be possible. And we urge you to support local journalism by becoming a subscriber. If you've already signed up, you have my heartfelt thanks. Until next week, now you know Akron.